0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Left Page.
1: Yay. Here we are.
0: <laughs> yes, after the the madness that was in Zardos and yeah. epi- in the uh, I I want to call it sort of famous episode Z, hopefully. <laughs> Here we are with something still strange but yeah. incredibly interesting. Yeah,
1: so yeah, I don't know, you want to talk about the writer first or
0: the the work. I think we present the work, and then describe the author. Okay, so um, th- do you want to begin? Or? Yeah, yeah, I can begin, yeah. because I just want to like cite the actual work, okay. if people have heard of it, and then I'll talk about the author a bit, or will do. We are actually going to be talking about a novel that doesn't really look like a novel, <laughs> called The Invisible Cities, by Italo Calvino. He is an, uh, a Cuban uh, writer, isn't he? Yeah. And yeah, he was born in
1: Cuba, but he actually—I think—he moved to Italy, yeah, like really soon in his life. But he—he mm-hmm. he is actually
0: Cuban, and he very interesting works of literature, essays, and which is good—a communist. Yeah, yay. <laughs> yeah, he for a long, a very long time during his life he was connected to the uh, Italian Communist Party, having disconnected himself from it shortly before writing this book that is from 1972, if I recall. Yeah. And, of course, that doesn't mean he stopped being a communist. (laughs) Yeah. But it means... We we were
1: talking earlier Mm -hmm. how how he is that kind of persona who... uh, Like, (laughs) he... Achieved the goal of being hated by everyone <laughs> in a certain point of his life. Pretty much, and yeah, like Camus from uh, Albert Camus, which is the writer from the the Stranger. I don't yeah, know. The, the Stranger. stranger. Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly in English. <laughs> and he lived through the the twentieth uh, century in the like the the most. Iconical things that he could experience because he was in the Co- Communist Party when Mussolini was in, in power. It, it, yeah, he was born in yeah.
0: 1923 yeah. and he died in 1985. So he lived through some yeah. of the most intense <laughs> moments of the 20th century. Exactly, yeah. Excluding the uh, the collapse of the Soviet Union and the First World War. But he's definitely someone that was invested in the politics which something everyone should Mm -hmm. and that was committed to this project for uh, the communist project yeah and connected to it for a very very long time and it it, it definitely shows it shows in this work not in overt ways there are general criticisms, like all around, especially at the end, to the actual, which could be the communists or the Communist Party in general. Yeah, and we'll get to that, I'm sure. But there are criticisms all around, especially to capitalistic world we live in, and yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that. I, yeah. I'm saving my, I'm containing myself because <laughs> I, I want to present this book properly.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean.
0: Yeah, and and actually, to to begin the discussion,
1: I think it's really valuable to talk about that he actually wrote this book when he moved to paris and this book is about traveling and it's Mm -hmm. about changing cities and it's about the perspective of what the fuck is uh, actually a a city (laughs) (laughs) and and i mean we we were uh, we were rambling about how it's a novel but it it seems like a collection of short stories mm-hmm. but it's really poetical at the same time and yeah i mean at least and, and i'm i'm going to dive in the the <laughs> the discussion right now because i i need to maybe I, I don't know if this is going to sound strange but i need to apologize to our listeners because in the last two episodes i was in a mental status which i was like really how can i say it it, it was really like a, a confusion between really philosophical thinking about my thoughts as an individual and my thoughts as a person in a community
2: mm-hmm.
1: and actually this book was uh, i already read it like two three times and i suggested to frank and i re reread uh, lots of s- small parts and it-, it was it was like something that organized my mind in a <laughs> way of being able to to make even more complex in a way of making more hybrid mm-hmm. thoughts about about things in in, in general because for me uh, uh, it's it's astonishing how. It's a subject that we don't talk about. The in 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 all the ways, like we live in, uh, we that live in in São Paulo, it's we live the logic of the city. Mm-hmm. We live, we we are embedded in the mm-hmm. in the logic of the city, and we don't think about the city, not even in the scientifical ways of I don't know the economy of the city, or <laughs> I don't know the only thing I think about the city is when I'm. On traffic and then piss off <laughs> 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 or when i don't know doria does, uh, <laughs> does some some terrible work like remove the graffitis that have the beautiful graffitis that we have here in the in the walls of, of sao paulo but yeah and i i think it's it's a charming invitation to think about the notion of living in a place or traveling or coming back to a place mm-hmm. and yeah, I don't want to ramble too much, <laughs> but I just want to, to to apologize and at the same time open myself to say that this book was really like what I I I've been I needed for for mm-hmm. the, the this two this three weeks that that passed through. So yeah,
0: <laughs> uh, for uh, a quick parenthesis, just for context, uh, João Doria he is the current governor of the state of São Paulo. Yeah and he's a cunt basically <laughs> yeah uh so yeah fuck him <laughs> uh, getting that out of the, out of the way okay. <laughs> uh, that was that was great and uh, good to hear that the book actually helped yeah. in, in doing this in this like getting ideas in order in a way yeah like
1: i i i was actually i traveled to Curitiba these days and i was like we were Watching Avatar, Avatar, the I don't know if it the is, lesser Bender? the lesser yeah. the show, yeah, yeah, not the, the show, movie, yeah, good, yeah, the the show, <laughs> and we were seeing that part about the chakras, about the flowing of the chakras, and I was really, uh, it was that, and then this book, it was really <laughs> like a, a mental travel, I I I want to say, yeah, but it, it was good, it was, it was a way of going back into a certain flow that mm-hmm. I wanted to have. Yeah, yeah
0: that's great. Yeah. And, and a great introduction to what this book talks about. Because yeah. from a very raw perspective, what actually happens, the context of the story is that uh, Marco Polo, the traveler, he, he visited at a, a time of his life, this is historical, the, uh, the court of Kublai Khan of the Mongol Empire, if I'm not mistaken. And he stayed there as a courtier and diplomat and et cetera, et cetera, for about 17 years. And what this book actually does is sort of fictionally recreate what conversations would have been between Marco Polo and Kublai Khan. Yeah. As Marco Polo shares stories about, I think it's 55 different cities that he supposedly traveled to and... Uh, What they were, in a sense, yeah, and they're all. I think there's they're split into eleven different categories. They're like I'm not going to call all of them from my head, yeah, and I don't want to stop to consult, but it's like the the, city and the eyes, the city and and the memory, memory, the city and the dead, yeah, uh, the city and the symbols, the city and the occult or the occult cities, yeah. So various different common themes that show up again and again, yeah, and of course these. Although this is this is what actually happens in the story, it's very how can I say it?
1: Oniric, <laughs> d- Oh, dreaming. <laughs> absolutely,
0: and there yeah. are immense discussions about language, yeah. about communication, about like traveling, about the city. It is it is definitely mind blowing yeah. as a book yeah. for being so short. Yeah, and especially when we were talking about it being a novel, but. Feeling a lot like short stories. I think Bruno actually, before we started recording, hit the nail on the head. It is actually even better than all that. It's like a, a, an oral tale. Yeah. Because, yeah. It, which is the sort of the, the perspective the book's going for. Yeah. And it does feel like that. As yeah. if, oh, in, in this city, because, like, <laughs> they at times don't occupy half a page. Yeah. Sometimes they're one page, a page and a half, but never more than that. Sometimes yeah. they're like, just two short paragraphs, <laughs> and it very much feels like sort of oh uh, something to tell children to sleep. Yeah, not in any way to <laughs> reduce the merit of these yeah, or yeah. even other like fables and yeah. folklore, etc. But it's it, it definitely yeah, it,
1: goes for that. Yeah, it has a soothing effect in a, in a sense, but the the actual meat of it it's really dancing in a mm. in a sense that it's actually shocking the way that it's so so short th- those those little as you said there, there are some times where it's just two paragraphs and that's it and and you read it and and you get like gobsmacked like <laughs> you just look at it and and feel like man the the power of of synthesis and at the same time it's like you expect as you said it, it it, it seems like you could tell this as a before bad story but at the same time like it's so f- freaking uh poetical in a <laughs> in a sense of it's poetical in in the in the least el- elitized way it's it's mm-hmm. like it's poetical in a way that you you read it and you sometimes you even need to stop i, I don't know if you if yeah. you had that 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 sensation but uh, there, there were uh, at times I, I read it and I was like, man, like <laughs> how how do I carry on about <laughs> 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 after this? Like it, it's really it, it really has moments of geniosity, yeah, uh, of describing surreal things that actually make lots lots of sense.
0: Yeah, I, I want to take at least one, which is a very short one, yeah. uh, as an example of like what the book is talking about. I found a version in English quickly, as Bruno was talking. <laughs> this is, let me just get it from the index here, but this is City and the Eyes, number three, if anyone is following along or wants to uh, check it out for themselves at some point. Here we go. After a seven days' march through Woodland, the traveler directed towards Bossi cannot see the city, and yet he has arrived. The slender stilts that rise from the ground at a great distance from one another and are lost above the clouds support the city. You climb them with ladders. On the ground, the inhabitants rarely show themselves, having already everything they need up there. They prefer not to come down. Nothing of the city touches the earth except those long flamingo legs on which it rests, and, when the days are sunny, a pierced angular shadow that falls on the foliage. There are three hypotheses about the inhabitants of Bussy that they hate the Earth, that they respect it so much that they avoid all contact, that they love it as it was before they existed, and with spyglasses and telescopes aimed downward, they never tire of examining it, leaf by leaf, stone by stone, ant by ant, contemplating with fascination their own absence. And that's it. <laughs> and that's one of the cities. Yeah. It's, and, and it's like, there's it's, so it's, much you're like in there. like a rock
1: in the head. It's, it's mesmerizing, yeah.
0: Yeah, because like, what we get there we get the idea of like a distancing of respect the examining their own absence is so fucking brilliant <laughs> yeah I was, I was reading like wow <laughs> I had to stop yeah, for a it's, second to like uh, absorb it all yeah and ideas like that are strewn all over the book, like a common theme, and that's something we've talked about before. Yeah, uh, because there are several cities. Uh, I I won't recall one in a specific, and I, I can search for it in a moment. But it, it doesn't. It's not that necessary.
2: Yeah,
0: like the idea that there are cities that look towards what, like what they were, a certain past. Yeah, but what uh, Marco Polo, since he is like the voice of the author throughout the, the majority of the book, save for a few couple of passages where it's like a sort of narration. Yeah, but he's sort of describing these cities like, oh, they look towards this distant past of these cities that never was real. These imagined cities that they look towards their dreams were never there. Yeah, and the connection that, that you make is that they are always looking with this sort of missing them wanting this to come back this city that never was and at the same time denying the city that is yeah and that the is absence, the cons- yeah and that is the conservative mindset yeah exactly to absolutely deny and abhor the present or the present state of things whatever that may be looking towards and looking towards a golden past that never existed in the first place yeah, yeah. that is always in some sort of way filled with a fantasy with an invention
2: yeah
0: and th- this again this is this comes up again and again for example there is a particular city which is filled like of postcards and the true city that you go and walk around is entirely different from the postcards <laughs> and the city of the same name that is the city of the postcards is a better city than the actual real city, <laughs> and it, it it brings the idea. I think that is something that is the main theme. Like, what is a city? Yeah. What brings at least in in, in two different ways? What makes a particular city um, this sort of collective as a city? Or t- and two, what makes all these different 55 cities that are said throughout the book. What makes them all like... What is the common denominator between all yeah, of them yeah, as cities? Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. And there's no real answer for either of them. Yeah. Like, <laughs> be it in the book. or At least I can think of one. And... Uh, I'm sorry if I'm rambling. No, a bit, no, no, no. Go. It's... And there's... Another common idea of, like, where does the city end and the space between the city begins. Yeah. It very much brings to mind this idea that all these various cities, they... What is a city? A city is sort of a space. It's a space of memory. It's a space of vision. It's a space for the living. And as another common theme is a space for the dead. Yeah uh again the concept of what is a necropolis yeah a city for the dead exactly. very much yeah and oh i'm just sort of i i i had no i hadn't heard of this book before bruno mentioned it to me so thought, oh he said oh it's, it's stupidly interesting it's incredible <laughs> you're gonna love it and it's super fast to read i was like oh wow <laughs> I, I, i'm intrigued i'm intrigued i'm happy and I was like, "Oh my god, there's so much in here!" <laughs> yeah. And talking about it now, I'm getting more and more excited. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> wow, wow! I'm gonna let Bruno talk for a yeah, bit. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I, 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 mean, I'm, I'm going to dive really deep right now because I had a, a kind of, uh, as you said, about what is a city mm-hmm. and what is the relation because there, there is a, a, a another uh, city that they that they talk about how there's a city, and I don't remember the name, I'm sorry, but there's a city for the living, mm-hmm. and there's a city for the dead, and there is a city for... Those, the unborn ones. The unborn ones, yeah, exactly. And I was thinking about the... I mean, the, the natural element of... of what is a city. Because, as Frank was saying, like, how, how do you determine... The space of a city. The limits of a city. But at the same time. uh, And and here is when I'm going. (laughs) I will be going deep. Because actually. this uh, It's just a a factor of my life. That I mean. It it made me think about these things. Because I've been. And this is completely off topic. but (laughs) I've been sport climbing. This past month. I don't know. The past month and a half and i was thinking about because when you when you climb it's it's really like it's about i think at least w- when it was when other people did it to i don't know reach food or things like that i was thinking about the because when you when you climb inside of a in, uh, for example in a gym where people make the, the route that you need to, to climb when i read this book I had the same sensation in a way that when you're climbing something that is made by a human to a human, you have an a- an aspect of nature and an aspect of civilization at the same time. Mm-hmm. And when you're climbing on a rock, it's impossible to have two exact same rocks mm-hmm. or two exact same bodies. So when you're... Uh, I was talking with a friend about some. some some deeply philosophical things like i I was talking about how i felt that when you're climbing on a rock you are being molded by by that force of nature that is in that state that Mm -hmm. that rock that that was there millions (laughs) of years ago and that is still there and it will still be there when you are dead and all of us (laughs) are dead and yeah and i and i i did the regression of like Well, if you climb on a rock, you are being affected by nature. Mm -hmm. In a really specific way, because you are being challenged by something that is not even alive. Mm -hmm. And then, when you are climbing inside a gym, you are being challenged by another human mind. But at the same time, it is the subjectivity of another human mind. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about exactly in that way about this book. Because the cities, in, in general they are this the symbol of civilization and in that that story about the the city that is the, that are the living and the and the dead and the unborn ones the uh, Marco Polo which is the voice of the the author actually says when you are long enough in the nature you start to dream about cities when you <laughs> when you know one and I was Mesmerized by this because <laughs> it is actually it's exactly what I was thinking about. Like the city is the symbol of civilization at the same time that it is produced by the the subjectivity and the nature aspect of of uh, of us of people of a- any human being, and so it was really bizarre to to think about that because I mean. In this book, it's even easier to think about that because these are sort of dreamy and oniric and mm-hmm. uh, not, not utopical, but idealistic ways of talking about cities because these cities they look they seem real and conceivable at the same time they that are they are totally mind boggling, but yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> I was thinking about the the complexity of The city is made to be the civilization, but it's made by the uncivilized. So (laughs) it's it's really yeah. I don't know. I've I've been rambling for too long now. (laughs) I I want to know what you think about. I mean, you answered, you thought about the question, and (laughs) I'm rambling here. But I mean, what you think about the construction of the city in a way of the human aspect of it?
0: Yeah, I think these cities. Although these uh, many times, like he draws a real like sort of blueprint of what the city ends up yeah. being, I think where it does become this dreamlike scape is when because all the cities seem to have a certain pattern. Yeah, they're never like chaotic or erratic. They're incredibly order, orderly or ordered. Yeah, and. I think that's where, like, you sort of go in, go with it.
1: Yeah, because yeah.
0: Yeah. I think one aspect of the city, as at least as we think of it today, and even in history at various points, the the city is not a uniform aspect. It's never a uniform community. Yeah. Like pretty much never. And uh, because of that, you have a billion different conflicts, or situations. But I think that is something that. Is this sort of poetic license to accept the fact that in these various cities, there is a pattern, or there are various patterns, save for a few couple exceptions. Yeah. And to talk about especially the relationship between the cities and nature, I'm going to get a, a particular example, Two actually, but I think this one is this one's more difficult to handle than the other one. This one is called uh, "Is Continuous Cities 4, and uh, the city of Sicilia. And he's talking about how, at its uh, Marco Polo at its walls, he met a man, a goat herder, and he was talking to him like, how can he recognize? Um, he asked uh, the goat herder asked for the name of the city. Yeah, and he said Sicilia. And the man says that he is unable to distinguish between the various cities, although he knows the names of all the grazing lands. Uh, uh, the discussion in general is that a lot of the time it seems like the cities are, there are the cities like as dots sprawled out onto the landscape, and there's nothing in between. And this particular herdsman, he makes the inversion that, for him, the cities are the unrecognizable aspects, yeah. and it all lies in between the various spots in nature. Yeah. And it's there's a sort of grim ending, because he points out for the city, uh, to the herdsman, and and tells about it. And many years later, Marco Polo comes back and he asks a man, because he was lost, where exactly wo- was him. And th- he finds the same uh, herdsman who-, who tells him this In Sicilia, worse luck, he answered. We have been wandering through its streets, my goats and I, for an age, and we cannot find y- our way out. I recognize him, despite his long white beard. It was the same herdsman of long before. He was followed by a few mangy goats, which did not even stink. They were so reduced to skin and bones, they cropped waste paper in the rubbish bins. And at the very end, this is what he says. The places have mingled, the goat herd said. Cecilia is everywhere. Here's, once upon a time, there must have been the meadow of the low sage. My goats recognize the grass on the traffic island. And as I was saying this victory, because this is the, like, the the natural spaces... Are taken over by the city, and at times that's not even noticed. Yeah. To the point where he, uh, the goat herd, was simply trapped there. Yeah. Could not escape. For an age, yeah. Exactly. Mm. And the city ultimately wins. The city takes over these spaces that he recognizes were in nature but are not. Yeah. And to, to get an even more uh, brutal example, if you will, we'll check out Continuous Cities One, the city of Leonia. Where it refashions itself every day, as it says. And in every single way. Like, it's not simply, oh, uh, food or certain small objects. No. He says, on the sidewalks encased in spotless plastic bags, the remains of yesterday's Leonia await the garbage truck. (laughs) Every single day, every single object is cast away and bought anew. To the point where it says... Not only squeezed tubes of toothpaste, blown out light bulbs, newspapers, containers, wrappings, but also boilers, encyclopedias, pianos, porcelain dinner services. It is not so much by the things that each day are manufactured, sold, bought that you can measure Leonia's opulence, but rather by the things that each day are thrown out to make room for the new. So you begin to wonder if Leonia's true passion is really, as they say, the enjoyment of new and different things, and not, instead, the joy of expelling, discarding, cleansing itself of a recurrent impurity. Holy shit. That feels what? a lot like modern <laughs> consumer society, doesn't it?
1: Holy shit, this book is fucking amazing, right?
0: Yeah, because yeah. like this, although it is it is an extreme in, in this particular city, it's, it's gathers many aspects of our current modern world. Yeah. Uh, and I think the point here is not on, as a liberal critique would say on a, individual actions of, like, oh, let's stop using plastic straws. That will save the world. <laughs> or other sort of consumer-like things. No, that all that all doesn't... That's good, of course, but that doesn't really fucking matter at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just topple the 70, 80 corporations that pretty much uh, are c- contribute, like, what, 80% to global warming and climate change? Just get rid of them, then, then we can talk. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's sort of the point
0: <laughs> <laughs> but here we definitely see like the the idea for consuming like the point of the novelty yeah the buying something new Progress. This, yes this <laughs> consumerism very much yeah that is it, for the sake of the new the object itself is meaningless and what that does at the end for the city is create piles and piles of trash that are like mountains on the outside of the city yeah and it feels as if At at any point uh, here, a cataclysm will flatten the sordid mountain range, cancelling every trace of the metropolis always dressed in new clothes. So it's very much like the trash that the, the city of Leonia accumulates contributes to its own demise. And at any point could these mountains of trash can collapse and topple the entire city. Yeah. Uh, I, I should also note that while the uh, Earth, Earth yeah, I should also <laughs> note that while the actual narrative is uh, in this what thirteenth fourteenth century of Marco Polo and Kublai Khan, uh, the cities do not respect the timeline. Yeah. So there mm-hmm. are cities with pianos, with based uh, violins, yeah. violins yeah. radars, yeah. airports. Yeah. So that is something to take into account as well just so it doesn't sound too weird yeah uh but yeah it's the relationship between the nature and the city is or better yet nature and humanity is there as well uh, on this perspective of how especially on the first example i gave of the city that is built on stilts and those that contemplate the ground, yeah. they either hate the ground, yeah. they respect it to the point where they are not in contact with it, or they love it so much that they contemplate its absence Yeah. at the same time, I don't think or at least from my perspective, that doesn't is, that isn't positive as a solution like simply yeah. contemplating from afar like, you can't simply uh, cut all ties yeah, but almost. you can <laughs> good fucking point <laughs> Good <laughs> yeah. fucking point. Yeah. And yet, and yet, <laughs> uh, you cannot like build fucking mountains of trash on, on the risk of destroying everything, yeah, yourselves included. So while this isn't explicit on any city, if I recall correctly, there's no, there's not even a title like the cities and nature, or cities and the trees. No, that isn't one of the themes. But it is the idea of how to how to have this relationship between people and nature and the cities and nature yeah. because it varies throughout the book yeah there, there's a very bizarre city and I'm not sure there are much many reflections we can take from it <laughs> but it is it is a city that is built on stilts that is like in hanging in between two between a large cliff thin cities five I'll read it all because it's very bizarre and interesting uh, this is an episode of very much like uh, interesting reflections <laughs> a peculiar book. And a fun reflection on the various cities. And I feel like, since it is about the cities, if we didn't, like, quote or talk about many of the cities in detail, it would sort of get a bit too vague. Yeah, yeah. So I think it makes sense. Yeah. So here we go. Thin Cities 5. If you choose to believe me, good. Now I will tell how Octavia, the spiderweb city, is made. There's a precipice between two steep mountains. The city is over the void bound to the two crests with ropes and chains and catwalks. You walk on the little wooden ties, careful not to set your foot in the open spaces, or you cling to the hempen strands. Below there is nothing for hundreds and hundreds of feet. A few clouds glide past, farther down you can glimpse the chasm's bed. This is the foundation of the city, a net which serves as passage and and as support. All the rest, instead of rising up, is hung below rope ladders, hammocks, houses made like sacks, cloth hangers, terraces like gondolas, skins of water, gas jets, spits, baskets on strings, dump waiters' showers, trapezes and rings for children's games, cable cars, chandeliers, posts with training plants. Suspended over the abyss, the life of Octavia's inhabitants is less uncertain than in other cities. They know the net will last only so long. (laughs) That's a bit macabre for an ending for the city. (laughs) Yeah. But it's... <laughs> it's like it's a city that is aware of its own impending doom. Yeah. Which is a bit terrifying, but also brilliant. Uh, it's not as insane as that of other cities. They know... Uh, it, it's... Thinking about it now. It's like they're aware of their own limitations. Yeah. To the same. this is one of those sober cities. Like, in this most precarious architecture... They are aware of how far they can go and grow in that regard. It's not limitless. Yeah, it, there is a, a breaking point, quite literally. Yeah, where and they I, fall. And
1: I think that's the the geniusity of Italo Calvino, uh, as you were saying earlier, about going with it in the aspect of going with it in the aspect of there's not much chaos in this is in this book. That is like it's really ordered, as mm-hmm. you said, in you know, a in a sense of Bringing the the discussion and the the ideology that he wants to, to pass to us, but he uses this element not for simplifying things. He uses it to make a statement. Yeah. And as you say, as you were saying, all the series are hints about the knowing about the limitations of of human society and of civilization in yeah. in, in a whole aspect. And. Actually the 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 element of disorder that we could I don't know allocate in this kinds of society societies that he's talking about, it's exactly the element of corporations, of the the big the, the big people of the big economies, the big enterprises. It, it's exactly the as you said. It's exactly I don't know if they don't know about it or if they are just stupid and eg- ganacious enough to yeah. to don't give a fuck. But it's exactly about not knowing or ignoring your your limits. Yeah. Uh, of ignoring the limits of of being uh, as we are. Uh, we are dangling f- from uh, from a a perspective in a. Uh, looking at the the void and we know there is a breaking point and mm-hmm. and we are marching in that direction and it seems like as you said uh, there are 80 industries I don't know corporations, corporations yeah that are that, that are responsible and like yeah the the fucking straws it's a good idea but uh, as you said we, we need to we need to do something about the, the these people because they uh, simply as that they don't know uh, they they know but choose to ignore our limitations and the limitations of progress Mm -hmm. and civilization as we were talking about the last episode about about the notion of progress and uh, as you said about your your professor that that ah because progress is a it's a it's a like uh, horizon and and as you are saying about Benjamin and yeah it's it's really as you said you you sort you sort of go with it to oh this is a book that it's really as we said in the beginning it's really oniric it's really about ideas about polishing ideas in the forms of cities mm-hmm. but uh, uh, as as we know, the life trajectory of Italo Calvino, like he wouldn't suppress the element of chaos for nothing. Mm-hmm. It's it's really really well thought about. It's really, yeah,
0: yeah. It's incredibly well structured in that regard. Yeah, and uh, it, it, like it's what you were think, as you were mentioning, like uh, the a- absolute uh, destruction and abolition of capitalism w- will do a lot better for the environment than stopping <laughs> to use plastic straws, yeah. <laughs> but. The idea of these various cities as, like, examples and ideas to understand better our world, they are, uh, on one regard, that aspect, but they are also, especially when we think of the narrative, because there is an overarching narrative, narrative, it is of Kublai Khan wanting to know his empire, and aware that he can never truly know it, Uh, he can never visit all these cities and whether he believes Marco Polo or not, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. <laughs> they These cities are, as he says, regardless, or better yet, these cities are the ones that Marco Polo says to them. They are the cities. But the cities of the same name that truly exist may be entirely different. Yeah. And I think that is a discussion. Like, the city of memory, like the city that one might hold in memory, for example... The way we imagine, like São Paulo, for example, it may be one thing. Uh, the real city of São Paulo is another of the same name. It's yeah. a different city. Yeah, and that goes for all of them. Although that doesn't—that isn't present in every single one. That is a very common theme. And I—I I actually want to mention a city which is, again, it's one of these cities where. Uh, how how can I describe it? I'm not sure I'm going to find it, but it's one where there is always its opposite, as in there is a shining, glistening appearance, and it, on a, on one sense, it is real, it is there, this beautiful aspect of the city exists, but there also exists a wholly negative aspect, like the other side of the coin, Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't use that metaphor, he uses them as both sides of a piece of paper, uh, uh, both uh, requiring the other, but never seeing one another. And that is very much uh, like about most of our large cities in the world right now yeah where you have this high class this high society area and you have like the favelas or yeah. the poor areas and these sort of sites that although Covino goes further he said that these sites never see each other at least in the metaphor or the city as a metaphor uh, in the real world they do see each other yeah and they Well, at least the first one wants to destroy the other or push it as far away as it possibly can. And the other wants, well, to exist. He wants to take over the city spaces. Like, I I remember watching some years ago a documentary about, like, um, because you have the graffiti, which is, you have the two terms in Portuguese. One is graffiti, uh, which is said as to be, like, the sort of, a po- more yeah. artistic, more positive uh, meaning yeah. for the word. And another which is uh, Pichu. Mm-hmm. Or Pichu Pichasson. It's because the documentary is called Pichu. Mm-hmm. And it is about like, uh, what do these other people that uh, do this sort of graffiti that is a lot more related to vandalism, uh, What is that? what does that mean? Or what is that... How can we think about it? How do we, can you look at it? And The way we, many of them spoke about it and at times anonymously to protect themselves. It's like, they want to take this space, this city that is also theirs. Yeah. They want to be seen. They want to to exist. Yeah. They want to exist and they want to show that they exist, that they are there. Yeah. It's it's one of the things that uh, Reveler Radio always says and I definitely sign under that. Working class doesn't need to be like, Schooled in the sort of traditional sense, like uh, all of us can benefit from theory and tactics. But the general sense of like to make a better world and to change this world is already in these people that struggle every single fucking day for the majority, or if not all of their lives. Yeah, Yeah. these people don't need to be taught that. Yeah, they know that. They feel (laughs) it on their bloody skin every day. Quite literally, bloody skin.
1: Yeah,
0: and. It is, it definitely comes to mind when thinking about these various cities, about, especially this particular case of the name, which I cannot remind, I'm very sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> but it is this example of these cities, and I think this applies to all cities, they have this sort of duplicity, like, what is the Twin Peaks and others, like, the idea of this perfect suburban environment, and yet there are dark, deep secrets yeah. that lie underneath. Yeah. It, this sort of uh, double of the, c- the these cities, especially when we talk about cities that have like a city for the living and a city for the dead, where they sort of mirror each other, and the city of the living copies the city of the dead.
1: Or yeah. they are s- sur- superposed. I don't know,
0: yeah. Uh, superimposed. A superimposed, yeah. It's... Yeah. <laughs> well, I love how this is an episode of us rambling. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> yeah. It is a book of strong emotions.
1: yeah, exactly.
0: yeah and I mean
1: uh, it, it's actually as, as you're saying about rambling it's actually really difficult to end this episode because I don't know how to, to to I mean literally there are so much themes and so much density here that I don't know where to to end.
0: Well I think that if, if anything so we can uh, I was checking we have been talking for a little while. <laughs> For us to, let's to keep track yeah, of that. Yeah, yeah. But as a way to like sort of move forward, a good theme that we can like think about, especially in regards to the overarching narrative, how can we think about language? Because, as we are told in these sort of, um, what is the word, intermissions in regards of Marco Polo narrating the various cities, um, it is explained how when he arrived, he did not know the language. So he used sort of these sort of various gestures and objects around to describe and the sort of the whole idea of interpretation and how was he and uh, would Kublai Khan understand and things he understood correctly and things that not. And how when he learned the language, a lot of that was sort of lost. and yeah. the, the communication became different. And at the very end, we get this sort of even more peculiar discussion. Where they are, like, where Marco Polo uses, like, a chess board and the game of the chess pieces to describe these cities. (laughs) And that is sufficient. And that leads to a conclusion from Kublai Khan that, well, the game of chess, you have this duel, this conquering. And when the opposite king falls and you are victorious, what is there left? An empty square. There's nothing. There's nothing after the conquest. Uh, that's if we want to take that even further we can reach the sort of conclusion that in this sort of violence in this conquest, in this imperialism ultimately there lies nothing yeah. there is only the war, the conflict, the destruction the exploitation there is nothing left it, it, it goes against that idea that capitalism had any positive to it And that is a larger discussion, which I will not get into it now, (laughs) but it definitely puts into question that, well, after all this, is there anything worth it at the end of the day?
1: (laughs) Holy shit, man. That That was fucking intense, man. Yeah. Yeah yeah i i I don't want to spoil it we ended here
0: (laughs) okay fair enough (laughs) i think it's slightly shorter but i i think it's a good point because there's honestly we could go on for fucking hours yeah we could go on city by city yeah um Speaking of which if patrons want something special extra for this book, let us know. Yeah. This yeah. is not a bad idea. Yeah, and it's, yeah, exactly. it's definitely something we can talk about more or even non patrons, just just let us know. Yeah. Talk to us, please. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um so yeah, um
1: Yeah, thank you for today for listening to us. It was a pleasure, it was it's always a pleasure and yeah, the, the, the it, it it it's really a outstanding book it's and it's really really fast to read so uh i think you have a, a version that you can post
2: yes uh, i
0: found a version in english which i yeah. will put on the I've read one in portuguese actually but mm-hmm. i will put the one in english on the show notes for anyone to yeah, uh so. download and see if they can get because that uh, it, it is worth it it is great yeah it's, it's just great it's great there's little else to say about that yeah and um, so yeah uh, thank you so much for listening everyone Um, please leave us uh, iTunes reviews if you can, we only have a few Uh, it's always fun to read them and we'll thank the the lovely folks, I I believe uh, Pearson left us one Uh, the Macabre Media Podcast left us one, Uh, Pearson actually did a collab with them on Penn's Labyrinth recently, Mm -hmm. Uh, you should listen to it, I need to listen to it yeah,
1: I'll I'll listen to it (laughs)
0: Um, but yeah, certainly uh, other than that uh, please uh, if you can support us on patreon at patreon.com forward slash left just yeah. left page I checked yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you I- can follow find us on Twitter at uh, leftpagepod. and Bruno and I are both on Twitter yeah. uh, if, if you like you can check us out there yeah uh, Bruno you want to say something sorry
1: uh, I we, were, we I was going to say that we were working on putting putting uh, left page on spotify the problem is that we use copyrighted music so i'm actually trying to work on a little uh sound team for us (laughs) for the left page it's it's a bit of a task but yeah uh uh, as soon as as we got that we will be on spotify as well
0: yes that that sure and um yeah i I think that that, that'll work nicely so yeah uh, thank you so much for listening everyone it's always a blast and we, we're we we're, we're 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 making good things. Uh, I think we're hap- I'm happy with how the podcast has been going. Like, yeah. It's been six months. Yeah. Or almost six months since yeah. we've been doing this. And it's just been great. Even through like, delays and problems. And <laughs> that episode where I didn't record with the proper microphone. <laughs> um, it's uh, It's been really fun. Yeah, and it's been fun. Yeah, it's yeah. been great. So uh, thank you so much for listening
1: and to the next one.
2: One mile a... Come out of the sky They start